from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. Hold on, Ed is saying, Ed, are you hi. there? Ed? Yes. Can you hear us, Ed? This is the Press Box. <laughs> to answer your question, Jared, before we go to break, and hopefully Ed chimes in a little <laughs> With Grady and Bischoff. We'll take a break, and when we come back, maybe Ed Grady will be able to hear us. You guys dare? On ESPN Las Vegas. I miss him. Show's going to work well today. <laughs> if you were listening like 10 minutes ago when music was playing, we don't know what's happening Rock music. in the studio. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Show's gonna. This is gonna be a smooth show today. <laughs> Lindsay's at the controls. Barely at the controls. We, we back to the morning zoo, Lens. Uh, the animals are running it. Let's just say that. <laughs> Let's just say that. But if you stick through the mess, Kevin Hart tickets and Post Malone tickets, which I feel like is the best combination of tickets we've ever given yes, away on the show. Yeah. Like we've we've had good tickets before, but usually we have like yeah. one good giveaway a week. That's that's two people I know. That I would recognize. Usually we give stuff away and I'm like, I don't know who that is because they're old or whatever. But I actually know both of those people. Game so away yesterday and the phone lines just lit up. Yeah. They yeah. were very excited. The youths were excited. All right, Lindsay, yeah. I'm going to do like caller 94. You're Please just going to be there Please yeah. answering phones. Caller number 89, sure sorry. stays on board as well. He's, uh, he's the EMS for today's show. EMS. Caller number 90, sorry. Yeah, yeah it's going to be rough. The first bite. Will UNLV's three-point streak end this season? Oh, man. You were there last night. I was not. So let's preface it with that. You went and saw 66-56 over Southern. Um, We talked about this last week about volume, and they'll probably shoot enough threes to where someone will jack one in eventually, and the streak will continue. But uh, last night, maybe you were getting a little... I don't know when the first one went in. When the first one went in? No, they made one in the first half. No, no, they did. Oh, so it was was over. Right, yeah. There was no legitimate drama. You weren't worried about it. On the three-point streak. But four of 26... Right. Is what UNLV shot. That is 15% from three in that game. And it was pretty ugly. I, I only remember one three that like rattled out, right? The rest of them of the 26. Were, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> like they made four, one rattled out and the rest never had a chance of going in. It's not going to end. It's sh- okay. It shouldn't end. end. It shouldn't end. They they're going to shoot enough threes. But God, this team could not shoot last night. And that was one of the primary concerns coming into the season. Right. And they did nothing last night to make you think, oh, they'll be fine shooting the ball this year. Absolutely nothing. Like Jackie Johnson, supposed to be a bench scorer, right? Or maybe at some point pushes into the starting lineup, depending on how much offense they need. He was one of seven from three last night. Luis Rodriguez is a transfer from Ole Miss who was a defensive player at Ole Miss, didn't have a big role offensively. Uh, they look like they're going to try to give him a bigger role offensively here. He was 0 of 6 from 3, right? This team's not very good shooting. Beyond the actual three-point streak, last year the worst three-point shoot or three-point shooting team in the country was USF. They made 25% of their threes. That's interesting. Is UNLV going to be better than 25% from 3 this year? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say 14 teams that played by games lost last night, and these guys didn't lose. I they think did they, not. Got, they, they did not lose the game. They did so not. They, they won the game, and that's uh, that's the most important thing. I'm going to say is it the, hot, hot take, they shoot better than 25% from three. Okay. I, I mean, I don't think you're wrong, because 25% would be, like, hilariously bad if you shot that poorly from three, but... 
it's pretty awful. And I'm I'm curious to see what happens. I got to figure out how many teams actually shot worse from three than UNLV did yesterday. Uh, quite a few. Well, maybe not that many. Let's see. 13 three shot worse from three yesterday than UNLV on the opening day of college basketball. All right, so was this more? Because you were there, I was not. Was this more Southern defensively at all, no, or were these God, were these no. open threes? These were mostly open threes. They're mostly open oh, threes. Oh yeah, this was not. I mean, they might have taken some early in the shot clock, so they'd be considered a bad shot. But it's not like it's not like these were contested threes. These were guys were open and just missed. Yeah, couldn't hit a three. So there, there's very little reason to walk away from that game and be like, oh yeah, you know he's going to be fine shooting the ball. They're not. That it's going to be a bad team shooting the three, which is going to be an issue in some games. Like the, the I think to go back to the streak part of this. We talk about volume and how they're probably going to take enough threes every game that even if they are a bad three-point shooting team, they're going to make one, right? They're going to shoot 17, 18 threes at a minimum, and you're you're going to make one of those 17 or 18. But I do wonder, like, this is a team that's going to be good defensively or should be good defensively, struggle offensively. How many times do they get into a low-possession, low-scoring game where everything is slowed down and all of a sudden, and they know they can't shoot, and all of a sudden, they only have a game where there's like five minutes to go, and they've taken eight or nine threes. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's a real possibility that that does happen a couple of times this year, where it's just a low-possession game, and they know a three-pointer is not a great shot for them, so they just don't shoot very many of them, and we're looking up with five minutes to go, and it's, you know, they've only taken eight or nine. Maybe they've Fans made... getting antsy. Well, maybe they've made one of those eight or nine, but, right. like, I think there's going to be games where you look up, and it's like, oh, they only took 11 threes today. So, it... It might happen. I, I think it might happen, but I'd still lean towards no because in 2022, teams shoot enough threes that it won't be a big issue. Um, now, beyond the three-point shooting, I'm going to give you two stats from this game that were very, very good for UNLV, but also a little concerning. The first one is they forced 28 turnovers by Southern, 17 in the first half. That's an insane amount of turnovers. There's going to be games this year where UNLV doesn't even force 17 for the entire game. For the game. entire game, sure. And they force 17 teams. in the first half. Yeah. And 28 for the entire game. Defensively, everything that was, I guess, expected or at least thought of that could happen for this team pretty much happened in that first half. They've got long arms. They were great jumping passes. They were great pressuring the ball. They were great just taking the ball from guys dribbling. Defensively, very good in that regard. So that's one stat that's good, and I'll tell you why in a second it is actually troubling. The other stat that's very good for UNLV is they shot 38 free throws. And I want to say only like two of those came in the final minute. This wasn't a case of, oh, Southern just fouled them a bunch in the final 90 seconds. They shot 38 free throws last night. UNLV was pretty good at attacking the rim. And they actually didn't end up shooting a ton of layups, but they got fouled pretty much every time they went to the rim. So 38 free throws and forced 28 turnovers. Those are terrific numbers. But here's the problem. UNLV had those two numbers and won a game by 10. Well, that was my question to you. 17 in the first half, what was the score? Uh, what was the halftime score? I mean, were they, they couldn't have been up a ton. No, they weren't. They were never up. I mean, I guess they led by 18 at one point in the second half, but like they were never up by a ton. Okay. So... You So they played one of the, well, the whole schedule is bad, but they played one of the worst teams on their schedule. They had a ridiculous 38 free throw attempts, right? They shot uh, 24 more free throws than their opponent. They forced 28 turnovers, a ridiculous number, forced 10 more than they had, and they beat a bad team by 10 points. What happens when they play a game 
and they don't force 28 turnovers, and they don't shoot 38 free throws. Can they win? Like, is there a formula for this team to win without those two numbers happening? I guess not if they're shooting the way they shot. Right. That's where they have to make it up. They've got to shoot better from three. Hell, they got to shoot better from two. They they were bad from the mid-range in that game, too. They didn't shoot a ton of mid-range, but they basically, they were fine getting to the rim and converting layups because Southern doesn't have anything in terms of rim protection. But they've got to make up for it somewhere else, and the number one place to look is shooting. We're shooting. And they'll shoot better than 15% this year. They'd be... I'd, I'd have to look this up. I'd guess they'd be the worst team in the history of college basketball if they shot 15% from three, right? So they're going to shoot better than 15%, but is better than 15% 29% or is it 35%? And that'll go a long way to determining if this team actually wins a significant amount of games or if their only path to victory is forcing 28 turnovers and taking 38 free throws because that's not going to happen that often. You're not going to have those two stats go your way. You're not your forcing way. 28 turnovers or against a good team. Right. Now, likely. They play, I say likely. They play Incarnate Word on Saturday. Incarnate Word is actually ranked much lower than Southern in Ken Palm, like 100 spots lower than Southern. So they can probably do the same thing to Incarnate Word on Saturday. But when they play, I think Dayton's the third game of the season, they're not forcing 28 Dayton turnovers, right. right? And I highly doubt they're shooting 38 free throws against Dayton as well. And if they are, Dayton's probably shooting 34 and is right behind them. So those two numbers are great. Those two things are like you want that every single game. But if that's the only way you can win, it's not going to happen for you every single game. So that's one of the bigger concerns, I think, uh, for UNLV going forward is that what they needed to win wasn't that reliable in the long term. I mean, I go back to they won the game, first game. It was a bye game. 14 teams, I think, lost bye games last night. I wasn't there. You were there. Um, so, I'm, you know, I'm seeing all your stats and, and listening to what you have to say. But first game with a lot of new players, they're going to get better. They're going to get better. I mean, they have to get better shooting-wise. That's obvious by the numbers. And I do think they'll get better as time goes on. Um, look, they're going to win a lot of games in non-conference because of the schedule. Right. So I don't even know, maybe Minnesota, Dayton, I mean, you can actually pick on, you know, you can't even get to three or four fingers where you're like, oh, that might be a loss. They, um, they're they going to win a lot of games in the non-conference because their defense is going to suffocate some of these teams, right? I I think the offense should be better than that, but I, I think anytime they play sort of a bad team, they're going to win because they're not going to give up points, right? This defense is legitimately good. Like, the amazing thing is last night, UNLV would have Eli Parquet pick up as full court press, just, just, you know, on the point guard, just bothering him. And they still had Keyshawn Gilbert back in the half court defensively. Like Keyshawn Gilbert was the biggest pest defensively in the Mountain West last year. And now there's two of those guys in you know, Eli Parquet and Keyshawn Gilbert. They're going to be great defensively. And anytime they play sort of a team, they can overwhelm with size and athleticism. They're going to win the game, right? So that's going to happen against Incarnate Word and High Point and Hawaii and Southern Miss and whoever the hell else is on the schedule. The right? insurance company. Right. Like, that. that's going to happen in those games. It's going to happen in Mountain West play when they play San Jose State and Air right. Force and we'll see if New Mexico's any good. They're supposed to be. Like, it's going to happen. But when they play an actually half-decent team, they're going to have to shoot to win some of these games. And they're going to have to rely on not getting as many turnovers as they did because it's just not realistically going to happen. And I will say this other part of this. You remember my theory on um, Kevin Kruger's non-conference schedule and how he could potentially be sort of gaming the system? 
because if you play a bunch of bad teams, it's generally not a good thing for your Ken Palm and for your net ranking. But if you blow those teams out, right. then your net and Ken Palm will actually rise. UNLV was projected win by 13 yesterday by Ken Palm. They only won by 10. So if the, if the plan was, hey, let's play bad teams and beat them by 30, that did not work yesterday. They only won by 10. They actually went down in Ken Palm rankings despite winning yesterday. So if that's the plan, they've got to beat Incarnate Word by like 50 to make up for it, which this team doesn't shoot well enough to win a game by 50. So, But they won. You're Come right. on now. I'm going to that game on Saturday. <laughs> They're not going to win by 50? Uh, if they make more than 15% of their threes, they might. Uh, but we'll see. So it was a big sigh of relief when E.J. Harkless came back? What a weird... Okay, this was weird. He left the game, was getting like worked on by the trainers, came back in, then left the game a second time, was getting worked on by trainers, went back to the locker room, then came back out, played one offensive possession, and went back to the bench. Uh, we thought, just looking at it from the press or from press row, that it was like a knee injury. But after the game, he said his knee was fine. He just it was cramping. Okay. And well, that's better than a knee, right? And so apparently, he he said, "I got to take better care of my body." So apparently, he was just cramping up for the entire second half and kept coming in and out of the game and couldn't actually stay in. So if it's just cramps, that's great. Because there was a moment where it's like, oh, he has a knee injury. And right. And that's, that's not their because best Because he's already player. had a knee injury. Right. It's like, oh, their best player's done for the year already. Right. But apparently, he was just cramping. So weird, but good if you're looking at injury news for EJ Harkless. All right. Coming up next, we will get into some Raiders as uh, it's not a very good time to be a Las Vegas Raider. You know, I, I wouldn't say it's the same thing over and over, Q. I mean, it's it's a lot of different – it's a lot of little things, you know. I mean, at the end of the day, it's little things. It's not um, where we, we don't know what we're doing and, not, you know, it's just that we – there's there's a lot of little things that have to go right on every play. You know, 11 guys connected, doing their job well. And, uh, you know, and, and we have stretches where we play really well, you know. Like we had stretches yesterday where we played well. Um, we just got to play well longer. That's what we got to do. Josh and coach well longer. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Granny and Bischoff. Getting into some Raiders in just a second, but do you want to win $15,000? That could be rent or mortgage for a year. ESPN Las Vegas and Aaron Taylor, the real estate guy, are coming together to give you a chance to win $15,000 to help cover your rent or mortgage or just do whatever you want to do with it. All you have to do is go to lvsportsnetwork.com today and enter for your chance to win $15,000. That could be rent or mortgage for a year from ESPN Las Vegas and Aaron Taylor, the real estate guy. You must be 18 years or older to enter. Complete rules are available at lvsportsnetwork.com. We should also mention that there'll be $1,000 up this week. Oh, that's right. Um the Dollar Loan Center Friday Football Frenzy, which will be on Thursday this week. Um, yes. Nobody has won, and yes, we're up to a thousand dollars, up to a thousand bucks on Thursday. Yeah, uh, poor guy picked the Raiders, and he picked the Bills. That's right, he did pick the Bills. I, so. I think that's twice the easy game I've given them has been yeah. a loss. <laughs> so a thousand dollars on Thursday yeah. could be yours too. All right. On the Raiders, did you guys talk about Damian Lillard's tweet yesterday? We did not. All right, Damian Lillard who is a big Raiders fan, he tweeted, if Crosby, Tay, and Waller get the F out of Vegas, I wouldn't be mad at them. This is bad. Um, so obviously the Raiders are 2-6. and six. They've blown three leads of 17 or more. And Damian Lillard, a big Raiders fan, is basically saying, hey, if some of the best players on this team decided to leave, I wouldn't be mad at them. 
The yeah. interesting part to me about that is that Damian Lillard's the NBA player that hasn't left. Yeah, he hasn't left Portland. He, he's the guy that everybody's like, all right, we usually criticize players for chasing rings, but he should have probably done that at some right, point exactly. in his career. And he hasn't. He's still stuck in Portland, and now he's he's the guy that's like giving permission to be like, yeah, you guys could leave if you wanted to, and I wouldn't be mad. So that's probably a bad thing. The other part that I thought was interesting, does Darren Waller belong on that list? Uh, because he's been hurt and not really done much at all? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you basically, that is Damian Lillard singling out the best players on the team. That he thinks are the best players, yeah. And Max Crosby's obviously been still solid this year. The yeah. sack totals aren't there, but the pressures are and everything. Uh, Devontae Adams has probably not been the best receiver in the league, but he's still been very, very good. Darren Waller's barely played. He's had a few drops when he has played. Like, uh, he doesn't belong on that list. Yeah. Like, what's happening there? Now, tie that into the Packers trying to have traded for Darren Waller. Yeah, we did We did talk about this yesterday, and we, you know, Dave Ziegler at the, uh, before the Jacksonville game in Florida was talking about how the give back uh, wasn't what they wanted or was too low. So let me ask you this, because they offered, Packers supposedly offered a second and a late round pick. Let's just say it's a sixth or seventh for Chase Claypool. Would you have taken that for Darren Waller? 100%. If they offered a second and a sixth for Waller when the Raiders were two and five, and they turned that down. I, f- we don't know what they offered. We I'm just saying, I'm we just don't. saying that, that. But that's the, what they offered for Claypool. the front office should be fired. If it was a second and a six for Darren Waller when you're two and five, that's a no-brainer that you take that. Like that's no doubt about it. You're trading Waller for a second-round pick. It's a tight end who's thirty, has been injured for two straight seasons, and hasn't been that productive. And if you got a second-round pick offer for him, you have to take it. I have to imagine the Packers didn't offer a second though. That was my thought on it. That we got the leaked um, report. From here's here's the thing, the Packers I'm pretty sure have leaked all of their trade talks right. at the deadline to try to make it look like they were trying, like they were hard. trying to do something, trying right. to prove look, the team. Aaron, we're trying to help you. Yeah. Don't hate us exactly right. because the and here's the thing, we know exactly what they offered for Chase Claypool because Claypool went for a second and the Packers basically leaked to the media. Well, we also offered a right. second, but the Steelers think think the Bears suck, so they took the Bears offer. Right, That's very clearly something the Packers would leak to make themselves look better. This is also them saying, well, we tried to get Darren Waller, guys. Like, we tried here, but I doubt they offered a second for Waller. Because, again, if you got offered a second-round pick for Darren Waller and did not take it, that's a fireable offense as a general manager. That's just that's but just the bad. culture, though. What culture? He's not there. Well, if you're going to have some bones to build on, a lot of it has to do with him and the Max. The second-round and... pick is going to have better bones than Darren oh Waller. I guess God. a better hamstring. You can't sell everything off for parts. They're two and six. <laughs> I know, but there has to be some continuity. Darren Waller's beloved in this town. So they could be two and six next well, year? Well, you know what? It's not all about wins and losses. you got to repair a little bit of a burnt bridge with this team in this town. As I said yesterday, he's got to stay because no will go to the Aces games. Correct. Logan Thompson will go. <laughs> I'll go. As, as Tom Brady, as Lindsay said, Tom Brady will. Win Tom Brady will absolutely go. Yeah, why wouldn't you? So, I listen, I have to imagine the Packers did not actually offer a second for Darren Waller. My guess is they offered more like a fourth or a fifth round pick, which if you're the Raiders, if you don't, like a fifth round pick for Waller, that's perfectly fine if you don't take that, right? That's no doubt about it. If they send you a fifth, you're like, eh, whatever. If it was a second round pick, though, like you have to trade Waller. That's that's more value than you're ever going to get for it. Like, how many tight ends in the league right now would get traded for a second round pick or better? Travis Kelsey. Kelsey. Is that it? Like maybe Only Mark a Second Andrews? rounder. 
Nope. Titans don't get traded for high picks. Doesn't happen. For the best tight end? Really? Kelsey would. Kelsey would. I don't think they'd get a first for Kelsey. But after, they might not. But after that, I don't think anybody else would. Kittle? Probably not. Really? Maybe Mark Andrews, but he's hurt at the moment, and that Isaiah Likely guy keeps scoring touchdowns. (laughs) I'm just just naming tight ends. Get out of here. So I just, I don't think the Packers could have offered a second for Waller. It, It seems unrealistic. That and that's that when Dave offer. Ziegler said we weren't getting back what we wanted. Right. For, and whatever, for whoever was on the trade. Block. Here's the thing. The Packers call up and say, hey, we want Darren Waller. And you say, okay, well, well, what are you offering? And again, if it's a fifth round pick, you're like, okay, no thanks. He's he's of more value to us than a fifth round pick. If it's a second round pick, you say, done deal. All right, I'll put the call into Roger Goodell and let's make this happen. So I have to imagine it was like, like a fifth. Um, one of the thing from the Raiders game over the weekend did you guys see this kid from Guatemala? No. All right. There was the a woman in the pool. There was a kid um, f- who had a sign at the game who said, Derek Carr, I came from Guatemala. It's my birthday. And being here, it's my gift. Fabian is your biggest fan. That's um, a lot of writing on a sign. It is. He got he had it printed. It, was, it wasn't handwritten. He like went and got it's this like a printed $30 somewhere. sign. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is probably the dumbest kid I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Are we now? You saw the kid holding the sign up. Uh, it got tweeted out by the side. Are we reporter. saying kid? Are we saying teenager? What are we saying? Uh, he's got to be eight years old. Oh, is my is my kid. guess here? Yeah, yeah. He's got to be eight years old. Dumbest kid. Ha- has to be. Why? Because he picked a Raiders game to go to as his. He big came trip? from another country. Yeah. And his big birthday trip was to go watch the two and five Raiders. <laughs> I'm guessing they booked this before they were two and five, but to go watch the two and five Raiders play Jacksonville, I get it. It's probably the closest place well, they it's probably play. Probably the closest place to Guatemala. Fly in. Yeah, I exactly. get it. Exactly. And that but kid just wants to see his heroes. To Vegas. But the big birthday trip is to go see Derek Carr play in Jacksonville. Oh, terrible! Doesn't care about the wins and losses as long as he gets a ball from a receiver or something. It's fan for life. I don't even know if he got a ball. It's not about the results, Tyler. He watched him lose. It blew a 17 nothing. He's probably a Jags fan for life now. He's like <laughs> this, this Travis kid. Etienne kid. I like him better than Derek Carr now. So the next uh, year he's going to come to Jacksonville to see, hey, Travis Etienne, that's I came right. all the way from Guatemala. That, and that'd be better than what he did yesterday or Sunday. God, this is why you don't have kids. Then they drag you to a different country to go watch Derek Carr play against the Jags. Are you kidding me? Nightmare scenario uh, there. Oh, that poor eight-year-old. Yeah, he's definitely counting up the, the yards missed and the penalties. I'd have the eight-year-old in that pool in the uh, in the beyond the uh, end zone. Oh, Lindsay and I talked God. about. They had a pool. Could you imagine? I saw that on TV. Nice. That was to, nice. You have to pay more to do that. I would imagine. We were. Li- How do you we were get the pool the ad- change clothes in with the clear bag? You can't yeah. fit it all in there. That's where I'm like, logistically, this is a nightmare. We were ripping the adults in there. Yeah. Get out of there. It's for the kids. Get out <laughs> of there. Kids shouldn't Hell be at sporting there. events. I when I was at the, uh, I went to a Diamondbacks game and there was like a kid's birthday party in the pool area yes, they, yes, have. they have. Oh, that's cool. Yes, that's in the outfield. Cool. Um, yeah. But there was it wasn't a kid's birthday party at the Jags game? No, I think these kids were just swimming. <laughs> That's so it's just so random. <laughs> they were bopping up and down in the water and then there there was a uh, get an your adult there which you're like, get out of there. Let the let the kids have the water. We're what going to an NFL game. Make sure you pack your swimsuit. That's it. Yeah. It doesn't make any <laughs> sense. And then what are you just supposed to wear throughout? What's your cover up? You just throw a t-shirt on or is it a jersey? Is there a, a they locker had, room they that we can go to? On, I think they'll have some t-shirts on. Yeah. A lot more t-shirt kids these days. All right, coming up next, David Roth joins the show.
I wonder if SantaCon is the one thing that won't eventually get that reappraisal. Because I remember people used to stun on Guy Fieri like this. And at this point, he's like, everybody agrees that Guy Fieri is like the most important American. Mm-hmm. Like that if he ran for president as on either party with any platform, he would certainly win 60% of the vote. Yes. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Joining us now from Defector is David Roth. Uh, David, I'm going to give you just generic sports talk radio question to start off with. Oh, thank goodness. Are the Houston Astros a dynasty? That's a good question. should they have to win more World Series? Is that the question? Because they're there every year. I mean, they've been, like, for the last six, seven years, like, as good or better than any team in the sport. Uh, I'm inclined to say yes, but I'm also not one of those guys uh, that gets real mad about people deeming things dynasties that aren't dynasties. <laughs> like, if I, if you were to allow me to, like, make the Baseball Hall of Fame in my own image, it would be the size of, like, one of your larger hotel casinos in Las Vegas. <laughs> and when you when you walked in, you would see, like, Harold Baines and Vinny Castilla. And then if you took, like, a whatever, like an elevator all the way to the top, you could see some Ted Williams stuff. So I'm, like, pretty open <laughs> to these ideas. But the, I read, um, there was this, one of the uh, Washington Post guys noted in uh, his story about the Christian Javier no-hitter that the Astros have played in the postseason at a 97-win pace since 2017, which is insane. All right, Wait, I'm so, gonna make, so that's good enough for me. I'm going to make Tyler mad here then. How long or has it stopped that people think about the cheating when they win? So I personally am past it. I think that there's also, I'm totally on board with people that want to be mad about it forever, though, because it was so funny and Astros fans get so mad about it. That like if you were doing it like you know whatever if you're a baseball historian and you're trying to be like all right well you know the GM is gone and Carlos Beltran is retired and you know like you can go down the list of like who's there and who's not there Bregman and Altuve are always going to be there uh, if you want to be mad about that you know or I guess Yuli Gurriel so if if you want to be mad about it you can do it mostly I think though if you want to just call them cheaters because every time you do it Astros fans get like really red and their voices get incredibly high. Like that's fine too. You know, this is where none of us are doing this for science. Uh, so I went to Game Six, and I thought you would enjoy. After the game in the streets of Houston, uh, there was one Phillies fan surrounded by about forty Astros fans, and suddenly mm-hmm. he just started chugging a beer, and everybody around him was chanting "chug." That that's uh, that's Phillies fan magic. There's <laughs> so there was a brief moment. I guess the. Um, one of the games that Mattress Mac went to in Philadelphia <laughs> that the Phillies won. And Mattress Mac, this like beloved local figure, kind of grandfather guy who's on local TV, they caught him just absolutely swapping F-bombs with some go-birds, hoagie-mouth Phillies fan guy on the street. And it was it's a nice reminder of the fact that Phillies fans can both make people matter than any other fan, and yet also are... Like they've got that other level where they're sort of like, I will drink a uh, 32 ounce beer instantly uh, <laughs> like, on principle. And you can't really be that mad about it. You're like, all right, well, these people are out of their minds. Like Eagles fans are crazier. And I feel like we're going to get uh, some really good Eagles fan stuff in the monitors this year. I have a, one of my wife's good friends lived in Philadelphia when she was in graduate school and she was like dating on the apps. And she learned pretty quickly that anybody that mentions the Eagles in their bio on like t- 
Tinder or whatever, it was like, you just have to cut them loose. <laughs> because it's like, they can be perfectly nice, but like one day a week, they're just going to be like, go birds! And like completely unreasonable and terrifying. And like, you can't have that energy in your life if you're, you know, somebody going to graduate school for dance. All right, I've read this four places now, and I don't know if I'm excited or not, but you can tell me if you're excited or not, that the Dodgers will sign Jacob DeGrom. That, uh, well, excited is not the word, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> it would be interesting, I guess. I mean, the only team I'd seen connected to him, and again, he's like, I think he's one of those guys where like basically no one that's outside of his family has any idea what he's going to do ever. He just like goes back to Florida and like does stuff on a ranch all winter long. <laughs> Uh, the team I'd seen connected to him was the Braves, and even there, like I, I, I never really like understood exactly what the appeal was beyond that it'd be, I guess, closer to the ranch where he spends the rest of his time. But yeah, the Dodgers. I mean, like Lord knows they got the money. Is there, are there some considerations with like the fact that they're stuck paying Bauer? Like I feel like at some point yeah. that's going to like nudge them up over like in luxury tax territory that they don't seem especially keen to visit. Uh, the part owner just bought a Premier League team, so I don't think they care about any money at all. All right. But, I mean, that's the other thing, too, <laughs> is that, like, I, I have, you know, my, my DM of mentally ill Mets fans are talk, going back and forth about the Edwin Diaz signing. And at some point, it's like, we've now gotten enough, like, Steve Cohen mindset that, like, even the people that were the most inclined to flip out over whatever news were just sort of like, look, it's not my money. He's got too much of it. Like, if he doesn't use it for this, he's just going to, like, buy a yacht and then buy a fighter jet and use the fighter jet to blow up the yacht because that's something he wants to do. Like, so better to spend it on a closer. Uh, where, here's another generic sports talk question for you. Where's Aaron judge playing next year? It has to be the Yankees. And yet I feel like they really could screw it up. I like, I do not, um, my Yankee fan friends do not agree with this. They think it's going to happen that they're going to find the money and pay him. There's enough, unreasonable stuff in that. Not Brian Cashman, but Randy Levine, who's the president of operations, the Steinbrenners themselves. I think that there's still enough leftover Steinbrenner brain damage that they could like get mad about having to pay him. And I think that if there's a team that's willing to give him like nine years, like maybe you don't want to pay him for nine years. Like he'll be 40 years old by the end of that contract. He did not do a great job staying healthy in his 20s. But again, this is one of those things where, like, first of all, it's not your money. And second of all, I feel like Yankees fans would be heartbroken if he went anywhere else. The Giants sure have the money. They're in a great position to, to make that move. I mean, I don't even think it would really have any, like, worrying implications if they don't want to pay the tax. Just the question of whether they want to pay uh, this man for another decade while his enormous body breaks down. Has it been annoying in your part of the country with text and TV ads that you just are so glad this election is going to be over? Oh, my God. I mean, it's just it <laughs> never ends. Has, so have you been getting a lot of, like, text oh. and, like, DM spam yes. on this? Yes, I get texts. Every minute I've got a text. Which is weird to me, too, because it's like I gave a little bit of money early in the campaign to, like, I have a friend who works at a place where you like, got directed to, like, local races. So I'm not getting direct like messages from the state house candidate in like Pennsylvania that I gave twenty dollars to. This is like people I don't I don't live in Wisconsin. I want Mandela Barnes to win. He seems like a cool guy. Ron Johnson seems like he should not be allowed to use the adult type of scissors. That's fine. I just don't like how what do I have to do with this? Why am I getting texts from these guys over and over again? The, the TV ads are really 
a bummer too because it's like a text. It's like I get a lot of annoying texts, you know, like you ignore them. But like if you're just trying to relax or like watch a basketball game and suddenly like Lee Zeldin is like crime, <laughs> that's a bummer to me. Like I'm not that's not the opposite of what I'm trying to do at that moment. All right, um, this might be the most important question we've ever asked you. Do you have a working dishwasher? Oh, come on. This so, is going to be the week. This is as close as we've come. Like, I'm experiencing levels of frustration and new types of frustration relative to the building <laughs> that I haven't gotten to this level. I got an email yesterday that just said, your work has been deemed decorative. And I had to email them back and be like, as politely as I could, because like I don't want to screw this up. Like, what the hell do you mean? And so basically, like, we, we got our electrician lined up filled out the forms they needed them to fill. Then they sent me more forms. I forwarded those along. The electrician has been a little slow in getting those back to me. I think they're maybe weighing whether it's worth it to have to, like, make a copy of their electrician license. That's something the building is asking for. Like, they're faking it. <laughs> and, but, like, we're, we're there. Like, I mean, I have, like, a, a list of things they're going to do. Everything about it is ready to go. I kept adding things to it. Like, I was like, yeah, replace these sockets, too. And can you do this and that? Like, I got it to the point where it's like actually going to be a little expensive for us because I feel like that makes the electrician less likely to pull out when the building is like, oh, one more thing. Like, we got to keep, uh, like, we get your house. (laughs) (laughs) But there's, (laughs) I'm worried that they don't have the right insurance. And so I've got a backup thing now that lady upstairs, you can probably hear some mild construction noises in the background. That guy apparently is very good. So (laughs) if this doesn't work out with mine, she's going to put me up with Norbert. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, he'll come and, and do his thing. But I just want to see this through at this point. Like, we got to the point where we got this lighting fixture that we need replaced. Like, it was like we bought it right before the pandemic started, and then it's just been sitting in our bedroom in a box. The electrician's going to do it. I made the step. I worry that I jinxed something. I moved it from our bedroom out to the front. So I was like, if they show up, this is I'll just give it to them, and they can do it. And I had to, like, we had my niece and nephew over last weekend for the marathon, and uh I worried about them breaking it because they're 10 and 8 and they love to break things. So I had to move it back to the bedroom, which was just like a tactical retreat that felt so (laughs) heartbreaking. (laughs) There's a chance we got it sorted next week. There's a chance that we talk about this for another six months and then eventually I just move to another city. It feels, it's really frustrating. I knew you were going to ask and I was just sort of like, man, you can just lie to him, right? (laughs) All right. That's a bit. We'll get dishwasher updates in 2024. He's David Roth from Defector. David, as always, thank you, guys. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate y'all. Have a good day. Uh, So there is David Roth answering the important questions about baseball and whether or not his dishwasher functions. I believe we've crossed a year since his dishwasher broke. Has to be a year. It was. It was fall last year. When whatever it it has to be season we're in. So forever. That is uh, excellent that he has not had a dishwasher for over a year. Been sitting there. Oh, yeah, just sitting in his apartment. He has the new one sitting in his apartment. He just can't put it in slash can't get somebody to come put it in for him. It's phenomenal. Love every part of that. All right, coming up next, the Colts hired who? From a guy who continues to bring ideas to the table, that's got to be tough, you know, and I haven't been in his position, but I can't imagine that being an an easy thing to keep going over. But, you know, they got to figure it out. They got to find a way, and you got to get the most out of your guys. So I'm sure the frustration is an all time high and disappointment, you know, aligns with that. So, you know, I I can't imagine where they're feeling today. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Yesterday, the Indianapolis Colts 
fired their head coach, Frank Reich, and then hired Jeff Saturday to be their interim head coach. Jeff Saturday has never coached in the NFL or college football. He does apparently have some high school football coaching experience. Yes, he does. Three and seven in his last year. Killing it. he's, 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 He's big time. He's big time. He was working for ESPN. Um, the Colts have two former head coaches on staff and Gus Bradley and John Fox. They did not promote either one of those to interim. They went and hired Jeff Saturday. Um, what, what's happening here? Uh, Ursay's out of his mind. Uh, like, and did, is Fox the one, because when they first hired Saturday, they're like, there's no one on staff. Who has ever called plays? And I think later in the day, they're like, oh no, Joe called plays like back in the day. For like four games. For like four games. So you got a guy coming in here on Sunday who's called plays for four days with Jeff Saturday as a head coach. If the Raiders don't win this week, <laughs> if they don't win this week, those whole ideas about no one getting fired uh, prob- we'll, probably might change. We'll get to that. Um, some Jim Ursay quotes. First off, he said, we were fortunate that Jeff Saturday was available. <laughs> Who did he think was going to hire him instead? You worried about the Raiders? Do you think Jeff Saturday thought it was a joke when he got the call? Oh, yeah. He probably hung up. Like, this is this is, this is uh, say We want you to be the coach where I hung up. It's like, okay, you know, it's not April Fool's. I'm hanging up. <laughs> we were fortunate that he was available like, it's some great coach that just nobody has grabbed yet. He also apparently said that he's glad that Jeff Saturday doesn't have NFL experience and then cited that NFL coaches, when they get scared, fall back on analytics, and Jeff Saturday <laughs> won't do that. He's a gamer. Because he's never coached no, before. He's yeah. never coached before. He won't know analytics unless <laughs> someone tells him about him on the sideline. Coach, it's third and two. You usually go for this. Okay. Really? Okay. On the, I guess, serious side of this, first off, if you're on the staff for the Indianapolis oh. Colts, if you're Gus Bradley or John Fox, are you I really mean, showing up to work the rest of this season? I mean, yeah, I think you're showing up. You're not happy about it. I think you're showing up just maybe deceiving the folly of it. I would show I would think the first, I wanted to be in the room for the first uh, uh, speech to the players if there's been one yet. I don't know if he's there. He's, well, he should be there. He's been hired, so he should be there by now. So you're sticking around just to experience it. I want to experience that. Don't you want to be in the room? Because you might be fired at the end of the year anyway. They might fire everybody because unless Jeff Saturday becomes a good head coach, he's obviously like, and then they're like extending the guy. Yeah, Ursay said this is for eight games, hopefully more. (laughs) So it's a tryout. I want to be in that. I wanted to be in the room when he first talked to the players and the players, the reaction, maybe, you know, not outwardly, but inwardly. If you're a player like, what the hell are we doing? The other part of this. And a lot, a lot of people wrote about this yesterday. If you are, uh, let's say, Eric Bieniemy, Chiefs offensive coordinator, you've interviewed for seemingly every open NFL head coaching job in the last four or five years. If you're any black assistant coach in the NFL, this is brutal, right? I mean, we the NFL implemented a rule, the Rooney rule, to try to force owners to hire minority head coaches because the NFL recognizes our workforce, our players, that that diversity, those demographics do not match our coaches, right? This, this NFL, the NFL players are primarily black. NFL coaches, there's like very few of them, right? It's primarily right. white. Right. 
And so the NFL is like, all right, we're going to put in a rule that's going to force you to interview minority uh, candidates. And when there's a firing in season and somebody gets hired, it's not, oh, we're naming an interim one of the assistant coaches that's been here. It's Jeff Saturday, who's never coached at this level before, and Eric Bieniemy can't get a job. You're right about that, and that's that that's ridiculous. But let me ask you this: in season, are they held to the same protocols? I don't think so. I think in I think because when you Eric Bieniemy is not leaving Kansas right. City for the right. Indianapolis job. I think when you're named interim, in you the, can in the middle of a season, you can just name anybody interim right. from the get go. But but there were no minorities on staff, and Frank Reich. Or excuse me, Frank. Jim Ursay made it very clear, as Lindsay said, this is for eight games and hopefully more. He's yeah. giving Jeff Saturday a tryout that Eric Bieniemy has never gotten. Right? Pass go and collect two hundred dollars. That's yeah. never extended to black coaches yeah. or minority coaches. Eric Bieniemy has been the offensive coordinator of the best offense in the league for like what? However the hell long Patrick Mahomes? Yeah. Been when here. did Patrick Mahomes right. become the quarterback? And he can't. He can't get this chance that Jim Ursay or the Jim Ursay right. uh, is giving Jeff Saturday. Jeff Saturday. Like this is an unbelievable. Rich Masaccia got it last year, right? And yeah. granted, he didn't keep his job as a head coach, no, but he, he had, got the opportunity. He had a chance. He yeah. almost kept his yeah. job. And Jeff Saturday now gets that, who was working at ESPN two days ago.